clear, all right? And so, um, you know, the world wants to dumb me down the supernatural, but I'm telling you, God's revisiting us with his supernatural right now. And so what I found out is that when God visits us, one word from God can change us and can speed up 25 sessions of therapy. And one word from God can just heal. One word from God can just fix things inside of us that we've never um, allowed him to, or that people can't fix. Only God can fix some things. And so I just, I want you to stretch your faith with me as we believe God together, because I really believe that's what God wants to do through the heart of Revolution Church. My life is where I am today as a result of supernatural things that God has done in my life. You don't know, but that when I was in, uh, uh, in 11th grade, I was, uh, uh, everybody in school had to take a speech class. And so um, I, w- I just thought I was going to go into the speech class with all of my friends. And, but my speech class was different. I had to go into the special education speech class because I had a stutter. It was subtle and it would come on suddenly. And, but I just figured I could hide it. I, th- I thought that I could get away with it. And so, uh, but the school knew better. And so I found myself in the speech class with special education people. Nothing wrong with special education people. They're precious in God's sight as well, too. But, but I didn't realize that this was an issue for me. And so especially because in my heart, I knew that I was called to do what I'm doing today. I knew in my heart, I was called to stand in front of people, speak the word of God, help people find freedom, help people find the Holy Spirit. I, I really felt in my heart that that's what I was called to do not knowing there in 11th grade that I had a stuttering problem. And so I went to that class and, and just accepted it. But one day, one day while I was at a conference in Tulsa, Oklahoma, it was a Bible conference where there were thousands of people there. And while we were um, in that place of worship, just like we experienced in our place of worship, the Holy Spirit began to move. And in that congregation, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, which we experience here today, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, these nine gifts the Bible has for us that we can reach out and we can actually start seeing God do some things supernaturally inside of our, our lives. Those gifts started to move in that service. And I didn't, and I knew that the Lord had touched my heart. He did something special with me, but I didn't realize it until that evening because we went home that night and I stayed in, a, in, in the hotel room and I was just laying on, on my side, meditating about the wonderful things that God did there that night and in and while I was in that place of meditation I started to doze off to sleep and it felt like and and I I don't know how else to explain but it felt like uh, a needle uh, a needle went into my tongue and, and this wonderful warm hot sensation touched my tongue and I was laying there on the side and I was going wow and my mind, I was trying to think, did I eat something? Did too many red peppers today or something, you know? And so, but all of a sudden I realized, no, this is supernatural. God is doing something inside of my mouth. And when I came out of that experience, I was, I was started to do youth ministry right after that. I realized my stutter was completely gone because the supernatural power of God had removed it. I believe that that's the kind of God that we serve, you guys. And I, don't, and I believe that he's here today to do the exact same thing. Do you believe it today? Yeah. Do you believe it today? Yeah. All right, say it out loud. Say, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Highly, favored. I'm highly favored and deeply loved. Do you feel deeply loved in this church, huh? Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you and we praise you for the opportunity to always share your word. I ask you, Heavenly Father, to let this place be a place of freedom. Let it be a place where we can experience freedom in you. We'll give you all the honor and glory. Lord, I have nothing to say on my own, but I know, Lord, as you speak through me, 
I believe, Lord, that we will have an amazing time here today. And so we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. all right, turn to the person next to you before you see, come on, just tell them, we are better together. Come on, tell them, tell them, tell them, tell them, tell them, tell them. All right, all right. So we're, I have a short message for you today because of all of the things. How many of you appreciated uh, that song today, huh? Isn't that good? How many, of you, how many of you appreciate the testimony of freedom? Come on. So I want to encourage you, at the end of the service today, we're going to have a table out in the, in the lobby. If you want to get into a freedom group, we're going to launch two of them, okay? And one's going to be in Clarkston, and one's going to be in the Troy area. And we would love to have as many of you guys participate in our freedom uh, groups. I think it's going to be awesome. It's all in connected with the small group launch that we want to do. Then also, I just thought about saying this. If you want to launch a small group ministry of your own that's not freedom-related, Related, just come up and talk to me. All right, I'd, I'd love to hear your idea. Love to hear, you know, what you think that a, a nice small group would be for you to do. Okay, because we want to make sure everybody has the opportunity to get going in something. Okay, all right. So we said last time that I was up here. It felt like forever since uh, uh, every time uh, my brother comes in town, uh, I always like to give him an opportunity to speak because he's amazing. First of all, and secondly, it gives me a break. Um, and third, he did say. Um, I don't know what you're doing in that church, but everybody's a lot more fun these days in there. And so, and I'm like, okay, that's really cool. So I'm just believing that they're going to be as much fun for me as they were for you last week, all right? Do I have any fun people in the house here today? All right, all right cool. All right, so, so we, are the, we are the sum total of the relationships that we have, whether we realize it or not. Relationships are so important, which is the reason why we wanted to do this series right now as it relates to our small group ministry. Relationships are so important. God wants you to be in relationship, and there's never been a time in history where forces are working against people having a relationship. And our series, this series, is all founded on this fact that the more we understand our vertical relationship with God, the more we understand this, the more we're going to understand our horizontal relationship with others. All right, I want, you, I want to read this to you, an amazing study that I read uh, about earlier today, and I might just throw in this other one too, because somebody texted me something about relationships. It was so cool. In 1938, listen to this, Harvard University began following 724 participants as part of the longest running study on human development in history. The study was developed to determine what makes us happy. How many of you want to be happy? Come on. The study explored every part of who we are from physical to psychological traits to social life and IQ to learn how we can flourish. Findings from the study were published in the 2012 book Triumphs of Experience with key results showing that happiness and health, somebody say drum roll, come on. Happiness and health aren't a result of wealth, fame, or working hard, but come instead because of our relationships. Isn't that awesome? Since 1938, this study has been going on. Somebody sent me something else, too, that was very, very interesting. Um, relationships are so important, you guys. And, and again, never before have we been in a situation or a season where their forces are working against us in relationships. I'm going to say it again. This is not a relationship replacement. 
This is a relationship killer if you will let it. Come on, somebody. All right. Now, FaceTime is okay. I FaceTimed Jeannie the first time, and that was really cool. I think you should FaceTime as many people as you want. This is great. But this is not a relationship replay. There is just something that goes on when you can sit across from somebody. You can sit eyeball to eyeball and talk to somebody, have that kind of a conversation, and something just happens. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And the enemy wants us to be afraid of that. The enemy wants us to say, you shouldn't be a part of it because there's a bunch of weird people out there. I get it. There's a bunch of weird people out there, 100%. But how do you know you're not weird either? How do you know you don't have some weird things about you that people say, oh, that person's weird? How do you know? There's all, there's a, there's a little bit of weirdness inside of all of us. Amen. All right, all right. <laughs> Look at the person next to say, I think he's talking to you. Come on, tell him. <laughs> all right. All right, honestly, 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 there's a little weirdness in all of us, but that's okay. And I think I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself right now, and, I, and there's a reason why I think that we are afraid of, of having relationships, which we're going to take a, a step further together. But I want to read the scripture in Ecclesiastes 4. Let's read it one more time. I love this scripture. It says this, two people are better off than one. For they can help each other succeed. Who would be honest in here and say, yes, there is somebody in my life who really helped me to become who I am today? Come on. Whether it's your spouse, whether it's a coach, whether it was a teacher, whether it's somebody in your life, a pastor, okay, somebody. um, uh, Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. When you fall alone, it is a terrible place to be. I remember, I remember being in the hospital, um, and and I, I just have to be honest with you. This is the reason why I think relationships are so important. One time I drove myself to the hospital because I was experiencing chest pain, all right? And I was, I was prob- it was probably like 20 years ago. But it was a weird chest pain. And so I just knew everybody was working. Everybody was at the office. I was home alone. I just said, I've got to go to the hospital. I just drove myself. I didn't feel like myself. And, and my, my heart was pounding. And we couldn't figure it out. And so I went into the ER and just drove myself there. And I said, I'm experiencing chest pain. Now, I didn't know that those are magic num- words. you know. So as soon as I said that, it felt like 20 people attacked me and whisked me back into the emergency room. And so they were strapping things all on me, and I was saying, listen, I don't know what this is all about. I am too young to be experiencing a heart attack. And they were saying, nobody's too young today to experience a heart attack. I know that's not really good news you want to hear when you're sitting on a gurney, right? And they're poking you. So I'm, I'm in the hospital, and, you know, the calls went out, you know, that I'm in the hospital. And so long story short, after they gave me a narcotic to settle me down and to settle my heart down. It was the same narcotic that you would find in marijuana. And, um, and so I got to tell you, I was sitting in this hospital room all by myself, so paranoid. Come on. And I was just like, oh, I thought the walls were, were caving in on me. And now it had been hours before anybody had come to see me. I was pastoring at that time, and so everybody was busy, and you know, you normally don't go see a pastor in the hospital, but I have to tell you something. After four hours of being there alone, 
And having people pile in to come and visit me was absolutely amazing. Have you ever been alone and somebody finally came to see you, right? Okay, see, and I'm telling you, if I felt that as a pastor, how much more do other people feel that way, right? We all like it when somebody is with us, right? But yet the forces of evil and the forces of darkness in our society today are really working against uh, uh, having these relationships. And so... Having a relationship is something that we all know is important. Having a relationship is something that we know that we should be into. We understand the enemy is working against us. Okay, and so we talked about that up. That stuff. Now today I want to take this a step further. One of the things that the practical things that I have found that people struggle with in having a relationship, and that I have struggled with in having a relationship, is this very simple concept. Ready? That we take ourselves too serious. That we take ourselves too serious. Do you know anybody in your life that just takes themselves a little too serious? Okay, this isn't supposed to go like like, like you're supposed to be super quiet, okay? (laughs) Do you know anybody in your life that just takes things a little too serious? Okay, great. Are you one of those kinds that take things a little bit too serious? Okay, so here's, here's what I want us to do in the short period of time that we have here together today. I want us to learn today how to stop taking things too serious. Can we do that here today? Yes. All right, now do me a great big favor. Now you know I'm an interactive church, and I just love to get stuff out of you, and I love for you to talk to people because I'm all into relationship. I want you to turn to the person next to you and say this. Say this with feeling. Say, you are just way too serious. Come on, tell them. Tell them. (laughs) All right. We got to have to stop taking ourselves too serious, guys. All right. So I'm going to give you two life points today. Two life points to really help us. And I believe the Lord gave these to me. And this this is a simple simple message, okay, to really help us understand um, about how to have deeper relationship with other people, okay? Here's the deal. The reason why I think this is really important, okay, because when we live our life in taking ourselves way too serious, what happens is this, is then we, we take everybody else in our life too serious. So when we take ourselves serious, then we take everybody else around us serious, Okay? And so what happens is this, when we take ourselves too serious, we project an expectation on others that we don't realize, and we project this expectation upon them that they were never meant to measure up to. They were never meant to be that serious person. They just weren't. Now, because we were hard on ourselves, or we, we have this, this, uh, this short wick and this short tolerance for ourselves. And so therefore what happens, we have this short wick and this short tolerance for others. And so what happens when we take ourselves too serious, then we take everybody else around us too serious. And as we take them too serious, expectations don't get met, misunderstandings begin to happen. And next thing you know, there is a kink in the chain because our relationship is just become too serious. Are you with me? And what happens is this. I, I promise you, I promise you, and who would agree with me on this? That when you walk into a room, that you are not uh, drawn to the person that is way too serious. Come on. You are drawn to the person that's like, hey, what's up? Are you, are you following me? 
And so what happens is then you come into the, so you're the person that's serious, and, and, and the other people are the, hey, what's up? And you're standing there, and somebody comes in, and they're drawn to the, hey, what's up? And you're over here thinking to yourself, well, how come these people aren't drawing themselves to me? Are you with me? All right, so here's the deal. We take ourselves way too serious. All right, now, I'm going to give you five tendencies of, of why I think this is hard and this is important to really understand, okay? Because when we take ourselves to... Now, now here's the deal. Life is serious. I get it. I get it. And so I don't want you to think that I'm, I'm uh, downgrading the fact that life, life is very serious, okay? But there is a way to go through life like, hey... Come on, where's all the hays in this place? Come on. I was born in May, okay? All right, you know, May babies are hay babies. Come on. All right, all right. So your December babies and your January babies are head down babies. Lead, follow, get out of the way, right? There's help for you guys if you're born in December and January, I promise you. You happen to be in a hay church. Come on. All right. Hey. All right. Okay, so five tendencies of... Five tendencies of people that take their life a little too serious. See if you see yourself in these tendencies, and I, and I have a biblical remedy, okay? So remember, my first life point today that I want you to really get is when we take our life too serious, then we take everybody around us too serious, okay? And it ends up having a, a best way to describe this would be like you're trying to have a relationship, but, but all the relationships around you are really constipated. You know what I mean? It's... There's a, there's a, you know what I'm talking about? Come on. All right, so there's, you're trying, but you're, you're, you're just, it's just trying. There's no flow to it. There's no hay to it, okay? We're going to get a little Metamucil today in our message. All right, praise the Lord. All right, so five tendencies. Here's the deal. When you spend time, when you spend time living or taking your, yourself a little bit too serious, okay, you, you'll have a tendency to read into things a little too much. Do I have any readers in here today? You just read into stuff, okay? And so when you read into something a little too much, here's what happens. It leads to the next thing, which is kind of like blowing things out of proportion. You blow stuff out of proportion. Somebody in my house who shall remain nameless, okay, um, came down with a sweatshirt one time, and the, and the sweatshirt was not very flattering on them. And so me being the dad, being the, hey, dad, I'm like, hey, you know, hey, that sweatshirt doesn't look very good on you. Are you calling me fat? No, I just said the sweatshirt doesn't look very good on you. No, you're calling me fat. You're telling me that I should get into the gym. I never said anything. Read, read, read. Are you, are you seeing how this works? This, taking this a little bit too serious? No, I'm just telling you the sweatshirt, that color doesn't look good on you. Not, is there some, do I have acne? Is my skin color? You mean you're trying to do something wrong with my skin now? No. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm burying myself. Come on, are you with me? Reading. Blowing things out of proportion, okay? So, so here's what it does is it shuts the person who's, hey, down. And you're like, what did I just get myself into? You're reading into something, okay? You're blowing something out of proportion, and it leads to the next thing, which is uh, you, you begin to see things more negative than positive, okay? And so... And I think all of us struggle with this. Sometimes when we're tired or when we're hurt, we all have a tendency to see the negative before we see the positive. That's a really good place to say amen, somebody, because we have all done it, right? You're driving on 75, and, and you're doing the speed limit like a goody two-shoe person, okay? And, I mean, you should all do 
the speed limit. Praise the Lord. Kids, please drive the speed limit. Okay. So, so you're driving the speed limit and all of a sudden uh, you see my car zip past you at 90 miles an hour. You know, my black, my Dodge Durango, if you didn't know, with the, with the Batman uh, uh, license plate. Come on, somebody. My kids got it from We call it the Bat. Come on. Somebody say, hey, come on. All right, come on, lighten up a little bit. All right, so, so, so you're driving, you're doing a speed limit, you know, on 75, and here I come, a bat flies by you at 90, okay? And so what is your first reaction, okay? Now, let's just say, let's just say that day, let's say it happened a Sunday afternoon, and I said something in church that rubbed you wrong, okay? Maybe I said something about a sweatshirt and you took it the wrong way, okay? Are you following me? All right. So you have, you're a little peeved with me a little bit, all right? And so you see my car fly by you 90 miles an hour, okay? What's your first thought? Call the cops. What's he doing? Who does he think he is? I told you he thinks he's above the law. Okay, but what if, what if I'm racing to get to the hospital? What if somebody, what if there's been an emergency? Okay, now I've never driven 90 miles an hour in the first place. I'm just saying that for an example. But see, see, what about saying something like, oh, there's got to be a really good reason why Pastor Dino is driving like a reckless idiot right now, okay? Hey, hey come on. All right, so there's got to be a really good reason. So, so, so again, when you start reading into something, and then, you know, that leads to kind of blowing things out of proportion, man, I, I got, one of these days, I got to tell you a story about donuts. I got to tell you, I don't have time. But then, then you begin seeing things negative instead of positive, right? And so then it, then it leads to this. It leads to this, that when, when somebody is trying to talk to you, and there's this, hey, approach, and someone's really trying to reach you, but because you're, you're taking this situation too serious, you take yourself too serious. Now, anytime somebody tries to share something with you, you feel like it's a personal attack, all right? You don't understand that, that this, is, this is somebody who loves me, that's trying to share something with me, so you're always hearing, this is a personal attack. Oh, he's telling me I have to go to the gym. He's telling me that my skin color is... He's telling me that, you know, that I'm fat in that, in that sweatshirt example. Are you following me? So what happens is, is as we take our life too serious, it turns into this. And then the ultimate is this, is the last part is, is, that, is that you live your life easily hurt and you don't even realize it, that you're easily hurt in everything that you do. And how many of you know what I'm talking about? It's not easy to have a relationship with somebody who's easily hurt right? Now, I understand that we get hurt, and I'm all for that, but there has to be a way to live our lives in a way that we're not easily hurt, okay, or that we don't take ourselves as serious. So, I want, I want you to see the biblical remedy here in 1 Corinthians 13, because I'm going someplace with this, because I'm going to say something today that, I, that, that the Lord said to me in my prayer time, and I just believe it's going to be a blessing to this congregation. I think it's, it's a game changer, all right? 1 Corinthians 13, 7 is what I want us to read. Um, this is the beginning of what I'm going to start calling our biblical remedy for not taking our life too serious or not taking situations too serious. All right, look at this. Verse 7 says this. 1 Corinthians 13, 7 in the Amplified Bible, it says this. It says, love bears up under anything and everything that comes. 
It is ever ready to believe the best of every person. I want you to underline that. It's ever ready to believe the best of every person. Its hopes are fadeless under all circumstances, and it endures everything without weakening. How many of that's a powerful scripture, guys? It endures everything without weakening. All right, so I wanted you to underline that section there. Love believes the best of every person. Because here's where we're going to hone in right now, okay? If you are somebody here today, or if you were like me, I'll never forget this. I was in, a, in Bible school. I was that person that just took everything so serious. And my Bible school instructor knew this. And so she was trying to help me un- get over this and understand this. And so here's what she did. She put, she put the, you know, myself and another guy. We were the two kind of leaders in the class. And there were 70 people in that class. And she stood us both up. And she said, now I want you guys to turn around. And I want you to see the rest of the people in this class. And here's what I want you to do. Uh, LaSalle, I want you to build a dream team. And then Ward, I want you to build your dream team. And LaSalle, you're going to go first. And you're just going to start picking because I knew everybody in the class. Okay. And so I was supposed to uh, have a class of 34 or a team of 34. And he was supposed to have a class of 34. And we were just going to see what this team looked like. Okay. And so I just started, I, I went first, man. I started picking off all who I thought were the MVPs in the room. Oh, that person, that person. And I was so serious about it. And Ward was just kind of just picking off whatever, whoever else he wanted to pick. He wasn't as intense about it. And so, so at the end of the day, at the end of the exercise, um, she, we put my team on my side, his team on his side. And she said, all right, now we're going to evaluate these teams. Okay. We're going to look at these teams. And so uh, here's what we're going to do. Daniel, stand up, and I want you to see, and give me the rationale why you picked the people that you did on your team. Oh, my goodness. You know, you never want to be that person that gets picked last. Come on, right? And so, so you know, I had to kind of give that rationale why we whittled down, what was my thinking of why I put the people on my team, right? And so at the end of the day, to make a very long story short, my instructor taught me this very important lesson. She said, everybody on your team looks exactly like you. You are way too serious, and this team right here is not going to get anything done. You know why? Why? It's not because they're not smart. It's not because they're, they're, they're not talented. It's not because of any of those reasons. It's because the way you lead, you're going to easily offend everybody on your team, and nothing is going to get done. She said, Dino, you're way too serious. Amen, sister. Come on. <laughs> now, this guy over here, he picked a team of people that was more well-rounded. He had a bunch of hays on his team. Okay? And so I've learned to graduate. And I've learned to, and, and that's the reason why I think this is really, really important in understanding uh, why I think this concept is so important, especially when we're starting to talk about building relationships or having successful relationships. If I can challenge you today to ask yourself that hard question, am I too serious? Do I take things too serious? It's okay, because all of us probably do in one way or another. But I'm going to offer you a biblical remedy here today that I believe will be a life changer and will help you to have a successful relationship with people all around you. It's found right over here. It says, love believes the best of every person. Say that with me. Love believes the best of every person. 
All right, so now what does this mean? What does love believes the best of every person? What does this actually mean? All right, ready? Okay, it means this. It means we live our life in such a way that we, we spend our life giving other people the benefit of the doubt. Okay, we spend our life assuming the best in people instead of assuming the worst in people. Come on. Assume the best. Oh, he's got a super important appointment. That's the reason why he blew right by me. Come on. I mean, and even if I blew right by you, I mean, does it hurt to assume the best instead of the worst? Doesn't it assume, doesn't, doesn't it work for us to assume the best out of people? Okay, how about this one? To believe the best in others means that we practice overlooking offenses and failures of other people. Isn't that awesome? That we, we practice overlooking offenses and failures of others. It gets really quiet whenever I say that because that's really difficult to do, especially with people who've hurt us deeply. I understand. But nevertheless, nevertheless, if we want to have healthy relationships, if we want to have the kind of relationships that God has called us to have, then we have to be okay and understand that believing the best in others is practicing overlooking the offenses and failures of others. And here's what this leads to, okay? As you begin to believe the best of others, all right, it creates over time a commitment inside of you to have a relationship with other people because no one is perfect. Isn't that good? No one is perfect. And for all of the perfectionists out there, I understand you can be perfect. You, you, can, you can work on being perfect and, and you're hard on yourself and you don't understand why other people aren't hard on themselves and I get, and that creates a kink in the chain. No, why don't we just practice overlooking other people's failures, other people's offenses, okay? And then over time, we start understanding what it means to actually make a commitment to a relationship because no one is perfect. All right, now, I'm gonna give you a life point because what I just said is a tall order. Who would agree with me? All right, who would agree with me that to live your life every day giving others the benefit of a doubt is a tall order? Who would agree with me that assuming the best in others, when we live in a society that assumes the worst, Amen. right? Tall order, right? How, who would agree with me that overlooking the offense and hurt of others is a tall order, right? Who would agree with me? Okay. And you know what? I believe God would agree with you too. I do. And here's my second life point that I, I pray is a game changer for you today as I get ready to wrap up this message, all right? Here's, here's what I want you to do. I want you to hear this, hear this with an open heart and hear this with an open mind, all right? Because here's, here's what I want you to get. The reason why I think we can live our life believing the best in others is because God spends his life believing the best in you. That was a good one, wasn't it? I needed to sink in. The reason why I believe we can spend our life 
believing the best in others is because God spends his life believing the best in us. Now stop, stop. Now let's break this down. God spends his life giving you the benefit of the doubt every day of your life. Come on, somebody. Isn't that good? God spends every day of his life assuming the best out of you. Come on. God spends the rest of his life, or he spends his whole life overlooking your failures, overlooking your offenses, overlooking your shortcomings. Isn't that good? That's what the scripture says. It says he, wouldn't, he remembers our sin and lawless deeds no more. He spends his life believing the best in us. And when we don't see our heavenly father this way, yes, it's very hard to believe the best in others. This is going back to what we said earlier, our, horizontal, our vertical relationship with God, knowing that he spends his whole life believing the best in us helps us to believe the best in others. Do you believe that here today? Okay, here's the deal. And what I'm saying to you may be new, and it might be fresh. I get it. To think that you can wake up every day, to, to think that you can wake up and skip your prayer time and God still assumes the best of you, yes. to, wake up, to wake up and actually have spirited conversation with the person that passed you up at 80 miles an hour and God still think the best of you. How many know that's good news? To wake up and realize that the boss who screwed you over in your job or a promotion or whatever, okay, and that, and that you're upset and you have every right to be upset and you lost it with your coworkers and you lost it with him and that God could still believe the best in you? How many of that's good stuff right there, right? That's what this is. That's what discovering God's unchanging love is all about. In fact, I'll take it a step further. That's what discovering freedom is all about. That there isn't a person around you that is perfect. There isn't a person around you that can be everything that we need them to be. In fact, another human being was never supposed to be that person that would be everything that you needed to be. If that was the case, you would already be in heaven. Only Jesus can be everything that we need to be. Come on. I hope you get this. God spends his life believing the best in us. We have to spend our life believing the best in others. I wonder. I wonder. Man, this, this opens up a bunch of thoughts. I wonder if God trusts you more than you trust yourself. I wonder, I wonder if God celebrates you more than you celebrate yourself. I, I just wonder, I, I gotta wonder if God is spending his life believing the best in us, I gotta wonder if the, there's more about the Lord and the way he sees us and the way he feels about us and we have allowed him to be. What would your life be like if you thought God was celebrating you every day? What would your life be like if you knew, if you knew 
God is celebrating me today. If you knew that, would you be in this group over here where you were so hard and so strong and so serious and everybody, or would you be over here in the hey group? Come on. If you really knew that God trusted you, if you really knew that God celebrated you, if you really knew, if you really knew that despite your failure, despite your offense, despite your shortcoming, he still assumes the best in you. Would that just be a game changer? Come on. I've got good news for you today. It is. It is. And I want, I want to close with this today because I was in, in just spending time with God today. And it was like I was meditating on the Last Supper of Jesus and, and, and the events of what happened at the Last Supper. And I, I want you to just go with me here for a second. And just, just, just go. You're sitting there at the Last Supper with Jesus and, and he's having this conversation. He's saying, hey, this is my body that's broken for you, you know. Do this in remembrance of me. And this is the cup. This is my blood that's going to be poured out. Do this in remembrance. You guys remember that through, you know, we talk about that through communion and what have you. But I I need you to get a vision of this. Because here's Jesus. He's the son of God. He's got his closest friends. Guys, I want you to know something. Jesus called his disciples friends at one point. He says, you are no longer my disciples you are my friends how many of you know that is awesome do you realize wouldn't that be awesome to come to the place to where we could say i am a friend of god <laughs> come on so so here so here's jesus he's having this conversation with them and he's and he's talking to them and he's saying all these wonderful words now now the context of this is this hear me out guys he knew he was going to suffer over the next 36 hours. He knew he was going to be whipped. He knew he was going to be misjudged. He knew he was going to be battered. He knew he was going to endure torture. He knew he was going to endure all the beating that no human being should be able to. Jesus didn't endure one capital form of punishment where he hung on the cross. Jesus endured two forms of capital punishment when he, strapped, when he allowed himself to be strapped to a post and whipped. And the scripture says that by that whipping, by that scourging, by those stripes that were placed on his back, we are healed today. Two forms of capital punishment. I want you to vision this for a second, though. So here's Jesus. He's having this conversation with his guys like I'm having with you right now. And he's telling them, this is going to happen. Now, if he took his life too serious... Would he have taken the time to give them this gentle instruction? Come on. No. He knew it was coming. And he wasn't stressed out about it. He knew the, the thing that he was going to endure. He wasn't all freaked out. He knew this relationship. Man, thank you, Jesus. He knew the relationship that he had with his guys right there was more important than anything else. He knew this relationship I have with you guys right now. It's more important than any sermon I ever preached. It's more important than any person that I raised from the dead. It's more important than anything I'm going to do in terms of my being raised from the dead. It's more important than even me being the son of God. What's more important is that you, my guys, my guys who I'm trying to build relationship with, that you get who I am and get what this is because you are going to take this message to the world. Jesus sent them to the world out of relationship 
come on, somebody. He didn't send them out because he just laid on them and hands on them, you're anointed, now go. He didn't do it that way. He built a relationship with them. He had every right to take that night so serious that he couldn't think straight. But it took his time. He took his time. He believed in them. As Jesus, did he not know that Peter was going to freak out? Did he not know that? Yeah, but he assumed the best in him anyway. Come on. Did he not know that they were going to fight about who was going to be great among them? No. Yes, I mean, but he assumed the best in them anyway. Is anybody getting this here today? He knew that there were going to be arguments in the early church. He knew that there was going to be factions among them as leaders because they were all strong. He knew that some were going to go back to their former professions because of, they were, because of their discouragement. He knew all of that. But yet he took his time and he assumed the best inside of them. Are you guys seeing this today? He assumed the best in them. He believed the best in them. It's like he, he in advance, was going to overlook their failures. In advance, he was going to overlook all their setbacks. I'm sharing this all with you today because I believe nothing has changed. I believe Jesus is in this room right now, and he's saying the same thing with us. Hey, come on. I know there's a bunch of serious things going on in your life. I know there's a bunch of people in your life that you don't like, and they don't like you, but it's time to start assuming the best. It's time to start believing the best. And as we start living this way, as we start living this way, this will be the foundation for the meaningful relationships that God has for you. Do you believe that here today? He is seated at the right hand of the Father right now, believing the best in you, celebrating you, standing for you, believing in you, believing in your marriage, believing in your parenting, even though you may have had some mess-ups along the way, believing in your ability to manage your money, even though maybe you've had some bad things that happen along the way. That's the God we serve. Come on, are you with me? I'm not talking about how he just sweeps it under the rug. That's not what I'm talking about, but I am talking about how he believes the best in Man, I think you're in this room right here today and a sense of freedom is coming to you right now. I'm going to ask every head bowed and every eye closed in this room. I just feel it really strong right here. Man, if you're here today and you have never heard this about Jesus, the way he believes the best in us, the way he cares for us this way, the way he has gone on ahead to uh, overlook our failures and our shortcomings, how he took his time with his friends and how I believe he's taking his time with you in this room right now. If you're here today and you say, Pastor Dino, I I don't know. I don't know Jesus like this. I don't know. I've never heard that he would love me this way, that he would care for me this way. I've never heard this before in my life. My my challenge is don't leave this place without knowing Jesus like this. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I've never invited Christ into my life. I've never invited Jesus into my life like this. 
I've heard about it in Sunday school stories and, and, or, or maybe other people have shared, but, but I never heard it like this. I want to give you an invitation right now to know Jesus this way. He's here, loves you, cares for you deeply, immensely. So you say right now, also, yeah, that's me too, Pastor Dino. I'm, I'm, uh, I just take things a little too serious and it's, and it's affected my relationship with God. It's affected the way that I've allowed him to love me. I've allowed him to see me. And I just need to reconnect to that right now. I need to just reconnect. So for those two invitations, please, nobody looking around. It's just you and me. You say, I want to receive Jesus into my heart. I need to reconnect to God and to my purpose. Those of you watching online as well, just go ahead. Just lift up your hand nice and nice and fast. Just anybody in this room at all, I want to pray with you. Just agree with you. All right, so let's pray together. Let's, let's pray this out loud together. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe your word is true that Jesus is the Son of God and that you sent him to this earth to die for me and you raised him from the dead to pay for my sins. And right now I'm receiving Jesus as my personal Savior. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's celebrate with anybody that prayed that prayer, especially those online. Come on. Love you guys.